Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Plastic pollution is one of the most pressing environmental issues today, and my next guest is determined to act against the effects of it. Michael Donald, a former banking boss turned eco-warrior, is waging war on plastic. He has now launched Image and Pay, or it might be Imagine and Pay, but we'll have a conversation about that in a minute. That's for the benefit of his son and daughter. A digital wallet aimed to kill off plastic payment cards by making digital payments interactive and carbon neutral. How on earth do people come up with these ideas? But absolutely fantastic movement, uh, which is so relevant today. And it's a great thrill to me to be speaking to Michael today because he has a reputation which precedes him, an amazing backstory, very diverse. I'm not sure how we're going to fit this into 30 minutes, but we'll do our very best. Uh, all I have to do is start by thanking Michael Donald for being a fantastic guest, because I know he will be. So, Michael, thank you for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Really good to be here. Thanks for that wonderful introduction. Uh, so, I know you have a very diverse background. So, let's start with the CV, the Michael Donald CV. Tell us where it all started, and I'm particularly interested to know where this inspiration for what you currently do came from. Well, the Michael Donald CV goes back a long, long way to a little tiny village in Sussex called Selsey Bill, actually. So <laughs> I, I started my career with the RNLI on lifeboats, which randomly is how I ended up here which is very random because I um, started off as a swimmer, then I was the radio operator. And subsequently, when I went for my first proper job coming out of college, I was, I was training to be a physical education teacher. Um, but there were no jobs in physical education in the 80s. Um, it was very different to the way it is today. Um, and I went, I went for an interview with West Sussex County Council, who wanted someone who knew how to work radios. Um, and they wanted someone to get the fire and the police and the ambulance service to all talk together on one channel, which is on maritime, you have an emergency channel. So I applied, lucky enough to get the job. And, and then subsequently, I ended up working with American Express in data and communications, which was all coming from radio at that time. Uh, and they said, oh, wow, you've got a background in um, the RNLI and uh, fire and public protection and emergency services. I'm like, yeah, they're like, Everybody at American Express in comms are all ex-military. And literally, I got the job on the basis of, you know, being able to work a radio on the RNLI. So my stepfather was the lifeboat coxswain. And that sort of got me into American Express. And from there, I sort of never looked back. I went to 35 countries around the world, uh, managed five different business divisions from fraud, um, to the airline division, to then launching American Express in Russia in 2006, 2007. Randomly, again, I got a call one day while I was in London. They said, hey, you've always fancied going to Russia. Yeah. Uh, can, you, can you go out and launch American Express? So 
I jumped on a plane, arrived in minus 35, three foot of snow, not a word of Russian. Um, 18 months later, we launched American Express. And, and, and a year later, I was running the IKEA consumer finance business for the whole of Russia across 16 cities with 300 staff and, and trying to learn Russian the best I could. Wow. And then, uh, you know, th there's, a, there's another little gap then from there to here. So what, what happened next and what, what brought you to where you are today? That, that was, that's an interesting one. So there was a big gap. So that, then 2008 hit, the last crisis, you know, rather than a pandemic, the financial services crisis. And um, yeah, the whole, whole world went into free fall. And I ended up get, um, working through the Middle East with a couple of major banks, the National Bank in Oman, um, and going through the financial services crisis, restructuring companies, and then ended up being asked by Bank of America to come back here and run a little tiny business up in Chester, which was quite huge, actually, with three and a half million consumers called MBNA. And that's sort of what brought me to Image and Pay, because MBNA was the biggest issuer of um, affinity cards in, in the UK and in North America. So we did the Liverpool card, the Chelsea card, the Tottenham, the World Wildlife Fund card. So one of my moves to being in the more ecological space was we were working with the World Wildlife Fund in about 2014, I think. And we were the first card organization in the UK to say, let's do a piece of plastic, which is totally recyclable. So rather than a piece of plastic that is made from recycled plastic, a totally recyclable piece of plastic for the World Wildlife Fund. And, and that's what got me thinking in terms of, well, okay, if, if, if we can do that, how many bits of plastic are there in the world? And I was quite shocked to find out, even though I've been in the business for years, there are 22 billion debit and credit cards currently. And as we all know, our debit and credit card gets replaced every three years. So on a global basis, banks are reissuing 7 billion cards a year at an average cost of $10 a card. When you put that into perspective in terms of you know, what we've just gone through in the pandemic and how much GDP we produce as a country, that's $70 billion a year producing plastic, which then gets thrown away because it's the most toxic plastic on the face of the planet, which then has a half-life that's worse than radiation. So the, you know, the first credit card back in the 60s is still rotting somewhere in a landfill. And all this stuff gets binned because it's too expensive to recycle. It has data on which belongs to the consumer. So it's still that old thing, cut it up, throw it in the bin. And that is happening 7 billion times a year. Um, and to me, that was insane. When on the phone, on your iPhone, on your Samsung, you can have the same card completely digitally. And that's how we started to develop Image and Play. Wow. That is, I, I love the whole poacher turned gamekeeper thing. I was, when you were telling me the story of the, the World Wildlife Fund having its own plastic card, there's, off, there's obviously a disconnect there. But you went on to, you know, to clarify, and, and I love that how that kind of transition towards, uh, you know, fully recyclable um, credit cards, which, you know, people will listen to what you've just said, Michael, will be absolutely gobsmacked. I mean, that is a, an astounding number. I really struggle with people who drive down the streets of, of towns and cities chucking plastic um 
bags and boxes and cups and straws out of windows willy nilly. And I, and I know there's a lot of ignorance. I'm not going to defend anyone here. But what I'm hoping today is that you're going to try and dispel some of the myths and ignorances around some of these some of these things because it is it's a growing problem as we know so as a society i guess my question then is um do we underestimate and i guess this is a rhetorical question do we underestimate the impact uh we're having on the environment and and if so to what extent um that's a super good question um <clears throat> I mean, the obvious answer is yes. Uh, to what extent? I think it depends how much you want to scare your listeners. Um, scare them all you we, like. We've just, well, um, I, I think putting it bluntly, you know, my kids are 13 and, and 10. Um, my, my son is 13. Um, super laid back kid, like all kids, they all love gaming. Can't see, can't see the reason for having a plastic card. Um, wants to do everything digitally. We have just been, and this this is a slightly longer answer to something which is going to be quite scary at the end. We've just been running a, an intern program in Ecuador. Randomly, last year in the middle of the crisis, we, you know, I do a lot for I do a lot of things around mental health, a lot of things with charities, and one of the things we were trying to do with Image and Pay last year, um, because I've got a big corporate background and my chief innovation officer is ex IKEA, big corporate background. Um, we were asked to see if we could run an intern program for a couple of interns because big companies just weren't weren't doing them. So we actually decided to push the envelope and we hired 10. And we ran a completely socially distanced um, intern program, which was looking at sustainability, helped us redesign our app in the middle of a pandemic. And we decided to go completely plastic free with Image and Pay, only ever issuing a digital card, no pin mailer coming out which we'll talk about carbon, you know, people's views on carbon neutral and greenwashing later. And, and we did a very successful branding, issuing of the product, putting it into Apple Pay, and now we only issue digital cards. And we're issuing cards for World Wildlife Fund, and we don't do credit either, because again, if you push people further into debt, they will make choices based on cost, which usually revolve around buying more things in plastic because it's cheaper. So this, this year, we were asked by the British Embassy, funnily enough, in Ecuador, could we do an intern programme for Ecuador on the other side of the world? And my answer usually is, is, it's usually yes, it's never no, or it's why not. What I found, which I think is, you know, if we're not careful, is leading to an extinction event in terms of mankind, which is the scary bit, is, is these kids in Ecuador, you know, 19, 20, one of the top universities, First, first and foremost, they said, wow, why are you coming to Ecuador? Nobody gives us any attention. Um, why are you bringing companies like MasterCard to talk to us? Because, again, nobody ever runs intern programs in Ecuador. Nobody's interested. And we built five key pillars around sustainability, financial education, um, looking at how the students could create a legacy intern program that we could take around the world. Now, usually you would go north and south and look at other countries. We've decided next year and for the, the years going forward to run it around the equator. And, and, and let me tell you why. Um, out of this eight week intern program, we have decided to set up a foundation called the Thin Red Line, which has a few connotations going back to the military. But, you know, if you cross the Thin Red Line, something bad is going to happen. What we found out 
from these graduates who you know, sit in one of the most biodiverse countries in the world is this thin red line called the equator is becoming thinner every year. When, when that is gone, we are all gone. So 80% of all the species on the planet sit on that thin red line, which is the equator. The equator passes through some of the poorest countries in the world, Democratic Republic of Congo, Congo, Ethiopia, Somalia, Maldives. So you've got some of the poorest countries in the world who should be being invested in to be the guardians of this completely biodiverse habitat. And we're just not looking at it in the right way. We're looking at the icebergs melting and we're saying global warming is an issue. My son, coming back to my son, his view on that was that global warming is just gonna happen anyway. We should be aiming to conserve things because the question we need to be asking, and it was just a random comment he came out with, he said, the question we need to be asking is, are we gonna survive the next ice age? And this is for a 13 year old, and I'm like, what do you mean? He said, well, the planet's warmed up before, and then what it did when it got too warm, it got very, very, very cold, and there was a reset moment, and everything died. He said, it wasn't the heat that killed everything, it was the ice age. And he said, you know, he's, and he's just very logical, he said, you know, there will be global warming followed by an ice age. It won't be it won't be global warming that kills us. It will be the ice age. And he said so. People are asking. His view is people are asking the, the wrong question. You need to look further out. So we 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 put this question to a guy called Roque Sevilla, who is one of the leading conservationists in the world. Um, he's Ecuadorian, and he explained back to us and the students you know, just how fragile the equator is. So what, 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 we, what we believe is if, we are not, if we're focusing on the wrong things like the ice caps melting, nobody wants to, let's, let's be frank, nobody wants to adopt an iceberg. They're not very sexy. Yeah? It's not a snow leopard. You know, it's not a penguin. It's an iceberg. You can't adopt an iceberg. Um, however, if you look at the rate of which the planet is warming up and you look at what's happening on the equator, the equator is getting hotter because it's closer to the sun. Those species on the equator are moving out of the equator because it's becoming too hot. The habitat they're moving into is not their natural habitat, and therefore they're dying. Yet, so we're creating a mass extinction event along the equator. Now, when the, when the equator's gone, pretty much mankind is gone 100, 250 years after that. So when we say, how worried am I? How big is, it's bigger than plastic, but how big is this event? It is absolutely massive and we also learned from the students things like coca-cola as a brand takes a lot of the fresh water from the rivers in ecuador and uses it in its bottling plants but then ecuador is bereft of fresh water so you you have not got fresh water going to homes even you though you've got a vast amount of fresh water and so ecuador is a country awash with plastic because people bottle water and yet it has a lot of fresh water from the rainforests but no drinking water in the homes. And to me, in terms of how do you change people's thought process, if Coca-Cola decided to stop bottling water and putting it in plastic and decided to pipe water to everyone's home in Ecuador, that would still be profitable. It would still be commercial. 
but it would just be a different way of thinking. Why take water and put it in a piece of plastic when you could actually just pipe it to someone's home? And still, you know, again, it would be commercially viable. So we, we've learned a lot from the students. We've learned a lot about how fast things are disappearing on the planet. And the other, I think the, the scariest thing I learned from, from when we were doing the research was the coral reefs have about 90 years to go before they're extinct. And 25% of all CAT on the planet is recycled by coral reefs. At the rate the coral reefs are going and the rate that the rainforest is going, 100 years from now, the CO2 content um, is going to be so damaging that we're all going to be on ventilators at this rate. Wow. I mean, extraordinarily profound, but really scary. I'm, I'm sitting here with my jaw hanging open. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to take, play devil's advocate because I'm, I'm totally with you on this. It's something I, I passionately believe in, but there's going to be a few people out there, unfortunately, who are going to be saying something like, Michael, I hear what you say, not really my problem. You know, it's a it's a problem for the future. What would what you No, I don't want this to be too soapboxy. I don't want it to be too political. I, I, I want to make sure that we we really drive home this very, very important message. It's the reason we wanted you on the podcast. Um, so without us getting too political about it, what do you say to the people who say, it's not my problem that throw plastic out of a window that 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 think nothing of i mean you've said some some incredible uh, incredibly profound things already and, and one that's really resonated with me is this is this kind of correlation between credit cards you know the the application for credit or the provision of credit which actually forces more people to buy plastic based items which is which is something i've not given any thought to before so what do you say to the people who say it's not really my problem or the conspiracy theorists who say there is no such thing as global warming? And I'm asking you this question because I want to deliberately address those skeptics who say, nah, yeah, this this isn't this isn't right. What you're saying, there's, there's no evidence of this, Michael, but clearly there is. What do you say to those people? That's a really, really good question. And, and without getting too political in the answer. Um, <clears throat> I, in all honesty, being being completely honest and transparent, I, I probably used to be one of those people, um, not throwing things out, you know, out the window of my car, but you know, having grown up through the you know sixties and seventies and eighties, it was like, well, you know, it's you know, we talk about greenwashing today in a different way in terms of big corporates jumping on the bandwagon and actually paying lip service to what's going on, on the planet. But I think I was one of those people. It's like, really, global warming? You know, and I and I thought I was pretty well educated. You know, the, the biggest biggest fear when we were growing up as kids in the seventies and eighties is you know whether the nuclear bomb was going to go off, and actually that would have created global warming. You know, and and the skies would have died. But you know that was as much as we knew about it. And I think I was one of those individuals that, you know, probably about ten years ago, I would look at it as it's further away than we think. And I was. I, I'm annoyed when people kick the can down the road for something being someone else's problem. Um, but but again, I don't think I had a view that it was that close. And I think that is that that is the general challenge that we have. You know, whether people have a you know a view that the world is flat or not, or conspiracy theorists. You know, there's always going to be conspiracy theorists. You know, uh, same with the pandemic. Um, they're entitled to their point of view. 
that's great if they want to buy plastic that that's absolutely fine you know that the whole the whole point of being in the free world um is to you know you have that freedom but i think it's it's the responsibility that we now need to take as consumers whatever we do it's not enough whether you're a conspiracy theorist or whether you don't care about global warming or whether you think it's someone else's problem whatever we do as consumers is not going to be enough the challenges for for my kids and for students is we've already screwed up the world if you if you if you're 35 and above you've already screwed it up and 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 I, i'm not being you know facetious or sarcastic or anything else but one of the things that i've been talking to the students about on on the intern program in their 20s is nobody wants to listen to a 58 year old guy tell you how to save the world i might have some great ideas and and i can impart those ideas for you but actually am i a digital native with access to tiktok to change the world no um can you do it as students yes and we'll come back to how they're going to do that in a minute but but the key thing in terms of what has been happening is we're too late yeah i'm i'm um i was going to ask a question and i've got one eye on the time unfortunately um and i've got a couple more questions to ask you i was yeah, going to sorry ask i was you. just I was, I was trying to give you that uh, diversity you know what? content yeah and what you've just said is absolutely fantastic because one of the questions i was going to ask you is you know again uh, bringing the skeptics here who say mm -hmm. you know how does one man change it i mean look, it's lovely very commendable what you're doing and and bravo mm -hmm. to your son for coming up with the idea uh and and it's all profound and, and great but look how are you going to change this and you kind of answer the question for me because for me the answer lies in education and in just a short time that we spent together today and on behalf of all of those listening from all around the world 53 countries i think um what i'm hearing is that you you can empower a nation a country a community the entire thin red line and, and all 100 countries whatever it is that sit along it just by helping people to ditch that ignorance that they have around some of these issues. And just in the short time that I've been listening to you, I've been thinking, gosh, you know, I've learned already and I have a greater appreciation already for some of these issues and the part that I can play in, in making sure that you fulfill some of the objectives that you set out. So thank you, because I, I, on behalf of a lot of people, because it will be almost like a watershed moment for, for a number of us. Uh, based can, on what you ask, said uh, can i just throw one tiny soundbite out for you you can as well in terms of you say like how 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 does my son do something differently and how did the youth movement do it and this is just for all you parents listening yeah um we're going to run something in the summer called you know kids love to game parents love to hate gaming however wouldn't it be great if kids understood how much time it takes for the parents to earn 10 pounds to give them 10 pounds to game and parents to learn how educational gaming is but it's bigger than that so when we talk about a movement there are 350 million kids like my son and daughter that play this game fortnite fortnite doesn't issue plastic fortnite isn't a supermarket the gaming companies the people that own fortnite epic and tim sweeney the ceo are looking to educate kids around you know how they can save the world now it's it's in a game but they can get to 350 million teenagers on that platform 
you know, Roblox again, and these are educational platforms as well as, you know, war games and football and stuff like that. There's a game called Among Us, which happens in space. 500 million kids are on that platform. It's like the Cluedo of who killed who in a spaceship. That metaverse that everybody's talking about at the moment, Zuckerberg's jumping into the metaverse, whoopee, whoopee do, so what? That metaverse, there's 2.2 billion kids that game in there. But for me, how do I get access to improve that thin red line? It's taking that thin red line, which is ideological, but physical in the real world, and asking those gaming companies, if you could put the equator in a game, which doesn't look like a world, where would you put the thin red line in Fortnite? How would you create something that that thin red line runs through everything? So you start to reinforce that we have one opportunity and that opportunity is now. And 350 million of you kids have an opportunity to help educate your parents, educate the people that think the world is flat. And actually, we all know that if the kids give us a hard enough time, the path of least resistance is actually ending up listening to your kids. And if we do not listen to them now, you know, you know, their grand, their grandchildren, our grandchildren are going to have a very bleak future, I'm afraid. Mm. Two final things to ask you. Number one, which will be very important to everyone listening, I'm sure. How do we find out about you, Image and Pay? Do you have a website? Uh, the Thin Red Line, I mean, talk about that as a, as a foundation, as a movement. How do we, how do we know more about, um, you know, Michael Donald, Image and Pay, and all the wonderful work you're doing? So imageandpay.com is our, is our website. There's a, there's a lot of good content on there, what we're doing, how we're working with charities, what we're going to be doing in the future. Um, we we have launched with with Apple, we're the first company in the world to launch an image-based payment platform. So you can pay with images inside Apple Pay, and we're, we're focusing a lot on cause-related and charities at the moment to enable them to use our platform. Um, Android is coming very very soon. Um, we're a UK-based company currently, but we have plans to expand into ten countries globally next year. Um, and on our website, it will tell you about if you're a corporate and you want to go plastic free or if you're a consumer and you just want to avail yourself of some amazing fun images we've also I think we're the first company in the world that allows you to pay with a moving image so we've got dolphins leaping through a payment card which mastercard very kindly approved to support the world wildlife fund so there's a lot of fun stuff there and we're also available if you, if you go to app store um currently and search image and pay you, you can download it and uh, then go and use that card you know, to pay in shop with a dolphin or a lightsaber i love that and i would encourage everyone listening to uh to go into the app store and check it out and and indeed check your website as well final question michael could go on talking to you for hours i've learned so much today it's extraordinary um but the final question which we ask all of our guests is thinking i guess of a conversation you might be having with your 13 year old son uh, or daughter they come up to you one day and they say, you know, gosh, dad, you know, all the things that you've you've done over the years, the places you've been, the companies you've worked for, your theories, thoughts, views of life. But if you could just drill it down to one single piece of advice, a, a rule to live my life by that that transcends all others, what would that one piece of advice be from Michael Donald Sr.? <laughs> That's a, that's a really good one. Um, never buy never buy a new car because the price goes down. Always buy property. <laughs> Children, anyone listening, always put your money in property, boys and girls. Um, I would say it's being super, 
super pragmatic. Um, it, I say to my kids all the time, don't take life. To, there are things in life that you need to take seriously, but, but actually never take yourself too seriously. Um, you know, enjoy the moments that, that you have. Enjoy the moment that you're in. I wish I'd known that when I was younger. Um, you know, don't, it, do be whatever you want to be. Uh, because there's no point doing something that you think you should be doing or you ought to be doing if it makes you unhappy. Mm. And, you know, the, the happier we are um, and the more content we are, the more positive we are as human beings. And, and that, I think, is what makes a, a real difference to everybody. Um, and and that, that, that is my advice on, on life, definitely. Be, be yourselves. Um, you know, and, and be be the best of yourself. And that will have a more positive effect on, on other people, which I think. Well said, well said. Uh, and I think the advice I'd give to my kids would be don't ever spend any time talking to Michael Donald's son because he's way too smart for the rest of us. Um, but Michael Donald, thank you so much for being a, a fabulous guest on the Sandro Forte podcast. I, I mean, honestly, sincerely, I've... I'm kind of a bit blown away, really, by some of the things. I've been furiously scribbling notes. Uh, and we're going to have a conversation offline about a little idea I've got that will help you to promote the wonderful work you're doing with the, the Thin Red Line and, and Image and Pay. So uh, long may you continue to do what you're doing. Uh, keep changing the world, you know, one student at a time. And uh, wishing you all the best on behalf of all of those listening from different parts of the world. You will have brought a, a sea change to a lot of people. So... Um, that alone has made today's podcast worthwhile, but it's been great chatting to you. And, and I do thank you for finding the time to join us on the Sandro Forte podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time as well. It's been an absolute pleasure.